Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One thing I've learned in the nearly 20 years that we've been here is, is learning this art of talking about the weather. <laughs> so, straw poll, hands up of you here today who've really enjoyed seeing some rain recently. I never thought in the 20 years I'd ever see that in this country. That is absolutely incredible. But one thing I do really like about the English is their sense of stoicism. You know, we had quite a hot uh, heat wave last summer. It was very brief. I think that was summer, if I remember correctly. Uh, and um, it got to about, I think, 32 degrees. And my goodness, the trains were stopping and everyone was just melting. And oh, my goodness, how are we going to deal with all of this? This year, we hit the big 4-0. And oh, my goodness, that was incredible. But what I love about the stoicism of English people is the next week it hit 35 and went, nah. It's okay. It's not 40. It's okay. 35. We're good with that. So I really find it's fascinating, and we really love being a part of, of this country and obviously this community and this church. So this morning, as Adrian alluded to, we're going to talk about uh, the seventh sign uh, in John's Gospel, and that's got to do with Jesus healing uh, a man born blind. Now, as you might see, they're going, oh my goodness, there's 41 verses. Yes, there are 41 verses. That's not a typo. There's a lot to get through this morning. Um, but what I really want to start off with is, is saying, although there is the sign, what I find quite interesting is that actually it seems to be, and you'll see as we get to the end, a lot more of us is actually more focused about who Jesus is. The sign kind of happens in the beginning as we'll get through but before we go into that, we need some context for how people in the story are perceiving who Jesus is. Specifically, the Pharisees, because they they're quite key people, uh, a grumpy, grumpy bunch, but they're quite key in, in, this, uh, in this story. Now, you need to understand why they are so you know, really upset with Jesus. And you have to remember that when they thought about the Messiah coming, they were expecting this militant awesomeness coming through, sorting out the Romans, taking them out, reestablishing Israel, and obviously them as well, because they're the priests, um, and literally carrying on. And so they started to get a little bit frustrated, because this is their perception of who Jesus should be. There's this guy coming on on this horse just sorting out everything and clearing out the Romans and setting them up back to have their own independence. But <laughs> through the last couple of uh, weeks that we've had, we've seen talking about Jesus, talking about the signs. And I suppose you can kind of understand the Pharisees are getting a little bit annoyed. <laughs> They're like, okay, well, there's great signs going on, but come on, when are we going to take out the Romans? When are we going to sort them out? So we get to the seventh sign. So I just want to put that in context, why they're potentially as frustrated as they are. Because they see Jesus as this massive savior who's going to sort out everything else for them with the sword. And here he's going around talking about love one another and healing people. And, and that's so that they, yeah, they're struggling, I think it's fair to say, as we will see as we go through. So starting in um, John 9, starting on, on, on verse 1, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? 
this man or his parents that, was born, that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So, really interesting starting question. Kind of, let's kind of call the left field one. Jesus seems to be pretty good with dealing with those. But uh, we'll actually get a little bit further in the story why I think actually John put this in. Because there was a specific reference to how the Pharisees saw people, actually, which, which is interesting. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And I think that is the first reference in Jesus giving a clue of who he is. After saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them. Watch in the pool of Siloam. The word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. How awesome is that? I think what's quite interesting as well is that this blind man didn't actually start questioning. Wouldn't you feel a bit weird if someone, if you were blind and someone said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'm going to spit in the mud, put some saliva, stick it in your eyes, and off you go. And it's, it's incredible. He clearly sensed, he sensed already, this guy just isn't someone who's just taking the mick. There's, there's something here, so I'm just going to do it. And he did, and we see what happened, which I think is amazing. So his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. And I've got to say, for those of you who know the youth leader, Josh, I thought that was a great likeness of that infectious smile right there in the picture. I thought that was, <laughs> that was really cool. He's always got that smile. So clearly he's really saying, look, no, it is me. It is me. How then, were your eyes, how then were your eyes opened? He replied, well, the man, they called Jesus. So this isn't a Jesus, my best friend, someone I know. This was just, you know, he obviously sensed something. He made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. It's like pretty straightforward. I mean, yeah. What is this man? Where is this man, sorry? And he said, they asked him. He said, well, I don't know, he said. So... Unfortunately, the Pharisees are really trying to keep tabs on this. This is the, the seventh sign now that we're talking about. And, you know, I think they really are getting a bit worried because the crowds are swelling. They're starting to follow this, this person who they still don't quite know who they is. Who they, they don't think he's the Messiah, but they're still trying to figure out who he actually is. So they brought this blind man to the Pharisees uh, who had been blind. And, and now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes, he did it again. <laughs> What's on the Sabbath? Uh, I think Jesus might be making a point here. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. And again, uh, it feels like a bit of a broken record now. He put mud on my eyes, the man said, replied, and I washed, and now I see. So the story hasn't changed. It's just now explaining yet again. Now, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But other asked, others asked, well, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. 
oh my goodness, you can imagine the head of the Pharisees are really getting annoyed now. It's like, oh, now we've got infighting because of this person. This is really getting a bit frustrating. So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man and said, what have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And the man replied, I think he's a prophet. So there's another clue. There's something else as well. Is Jesus a prophet? But still, they did not believe. Because, look, we can't keep giving this guy credit. If, if, if the Pharisees start saying, yep, this is everything that Jesus is doing, well, that's going to be a bit of an issue. So they still not believe, uh, believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? And they replied, we know he is our son. The parents answered, and we know he was born blind. So just the point, I think John brought this in just to make absolutely categorically clear. We saw earlier where some people saying, oh, this wasn't actually the guy. And the Pharisees are saying, well, we don't really believe you. Well, no, the parents have come in. And I'd like to think parents kind of know their kids. Yeah. So I think John's just really saying beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is the guy who was born blind and now he can see. But I like this then. Um, and you can kind of see the worried faces there uh, on, on the parents. But how can he see now or, or open his eyes? We don't know. Now, I'm kind of wondering, surely the son would have said something, but they say, we, well, we don't know. He's of age. Speak for himself. His parents said that because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. So that is why his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So again, we now see the parents are kind of hearing these rumors that, well, he could be the Messiah, but they don't clearly fully know, because otherwise they'd probably be putting their hands up and saying, yep, absolutely, he's the Messiah. Now, well, they're a little bit scared of the, the Pharisees, so, well, we're not sure. Ask, ask him, pass the buck. A second time, <laughs> so you kind of, at which point are the Pharisees going to really get this? A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. Well, there's no manipulation there at all. We know this man is a sinner, talking about Jesus, he replied. And he said, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. <laughs> Yet again, one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, well, what did he do to you? It's like, oh, man, how did he open your eyes? It's like, oh. See, right now you're getting the case that these, these Pharisees are just, they're really clasping at straws. They're trying to do everything to try and pull down this powerful person that's in their midst doing all this stuff, who, by the way, actually wasn't even there. Jesus healed them and then kind of disappeared, which I thought was quite interesting, and we'll get to that later. He answered, I have, you can hear the tone, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? And then it gets a little bit cheeky, maybe. <laughs> Do you want to become one of his disciples? You could just imagine, yeah, he, I think he just got to the point of, look, what else do I say? <laughs> maybe this is one way to get out of the synagogue, which it was. <laughs> then they hurled insults at him and said, you are, uh, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. Well, we know Moses because we could put him in a box. We understand exactly where he went. He was chosen by God. He went up the mountain, got some instructions. 
That's all, that's all clear. So we are followers of him. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, well, we don't even know where he comes from. Oh, their, their intelligence gathering probably has a little bit left to be decided. After the, this is the seventh sign, by the way, and they're still, we don't know where he's come from. The man answered, well, now, interesting, that's quite remarkable. You can just imagine how he is really thinking. You, you don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. So I thought Jesus would just kind of put that in. But isn't that interesting, though, about who this Jesus is? He does something that's never been done before, and he just disappears. He's not waiting around for the glory saying, look at me, look what I did, not been done before. No. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So uh, the blind man, maybe he's really just given a lot more courage now that he can see things. He's like, well, I'm going to go all the way and just really take these guys on. They replied, oh, well, well, you know, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? You can just see the pomp just kind of raising. And they threw him out. And I thought what's interesting is going back to what I said right at the beginning when they were talking, when, when uh, the disciples were asking about Jesus, you know, uh, about the blind man, was it because he, he was a sinner or his parents? And Jesus said, neither. Well, clearly the Pharisees didn't believe that because they just really palmed him off. Ah, oh, no, it's because you're a sinner. Don't lecture us. You're wasting our time. Jesus, at this point, comes back into the story. So as you probably get a sense now, it doesn't seem like the actual miracle, which should be the main thing, is really the main thing. It's all this kind of issue of, well, who is Jesus, and all this challenging discussion going on. But Jesus does hear, and he heard that they had thrown him out, and when they had found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the blind man, really honest, said, well, who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And there was something quite, quite, quite exceptional about that as well. Is he, Jesus only says this down the line in the story. You know, he wasn't so quick to say, oh, look who I am. He was waiting. Say, so, well, work this through. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Again, one of those upside-down concepts which really just did the Pharisees' heads in massively. Well, what happens to an eye for an eye? You know? Some Pharisees who were with them, and that's really, so Jesus was kind of like, yeah, he was also um, sort of having a go at the Pharisees, rightly so. He said, some Pharisees were with him, heard him say this, and asked, what are we blind to? And Jesus said, and this to me is a stinging, stinging criticism. If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. So hopefully that gives you a good sense of, of the story where we are. But we're dealing with this issue of who is Jesus. And I think that to me is an absolutely crucial, crucial question.
Some people that believe in Jesus because of what the Bible says, but there are some people who say, well, how do we know the Bible's true? It's a fair point. So what I did to really understand for myself, I thought, well, let's actually see. And what was absolutely fascinating in preparing this message was what do other faiths, right, that are not our faith, what do other faiths say about Jesus? Well, the first point is they say anything at all. That, to me, was quite remarkable. Um, that, you know, Jesus is, is, is recognized in all the other main faiths. But I thought, well, that, that's quite something. It doesn't work the other way around. It's quite interesting. Um, so we looked at, at four, four of the sort of major faiths. Yes, there are others, but just want to pick it up. So Judaism, Islam, uh, Hinduism, and Buddhism. Yeah. So let's see what they each believe. So the Jews believe Jesus was Mary's son, he was a teacher, a rabbi, had many disciples, was respected, performed miracles, claimed to be the Messiah, and was crucified on the cross. They also acknowledged that his followers reported Jesus was raised from the dead. So there's an acknowledgement that he existed. So that's the first point. This is not a question of, is Jesus real or not? This is a question of, who is he? And that's really, really important. This I found fascinating. Muslims believe Jesus was born of a virgin, is to be revered and respected, was a prophet, a wise teacher who worked miracles, ascended to heaven, and will come again. I didn't know that. That's, that, that I was thought, well, I was quite taken back by that. The Hindus, they believe Jesus was a holy man, a wise teacher, and is a god, small g. And lastly, the Buddhists believe Jesus was an enlightened man and a wise teacher. Right? There's, some of you might be aware of sort of the New Age movement where it's kind of everything's relative. You know, it doesn't matter what god you worship, so long as it's kind of there, they're all the same, it's all fine, it's all good. And you probably get a sense of hearing that through the different views from those different faiths. You know, he's good, he's wise, he's gentle, he's all these principles. In fact, there's even parts of the New Age movement that have to accept that Jesus preaching about peace and love is, oh, that's what we like, man, some peace and love. Um, but we've got a problem. We've got a serious, serious problem. We've got people in the New Testament not still trying to figure out who Jesus is. But here's the point, and this is the dilemma, and this is the key thing that I want to bring through to you guys today. Jesus leaves no middle ground, right, in terms of who he is. You have to accept, but, but Jesus claiming he was God, right, quite a big claim, would you say? Not the only one who's made that claim, by the way. <laughs> Two things. He either had a mental illness, and I say this very respectfully, but he either had a mental illness and a God complex. If you look up what a God complex is, it's got to do with a narcissistic personality disorder, right? Where you think you're much better than everyone else and everyone else's minions. Or he, he is who he said he is our true God and Savior. 
And that, for me, friends, is a very, very big challenge. Jesus doesn't give us the option. He doesn't give us the option to go, yeah, he's cool, he's okay, really good guy, I'm going to live by the principles of Jesus. No, you've either got to accept he was insane, or he was who he said he was. And when we look through the stories of what Jesus did, one of the issues of a God complex is wanting everyone to revere you as the main person. But hang on, through all the signs, most of the time Jesus just disappears. A person with a God complex, when they come and falsely accuse him of all of these things, man, he would be calling down fire from heaven. Because how dare you? I'm God. How can you do that? I will sort all of you out. He didn't. As a lamb to the slaughter in silence. So friends, from my side, for me, that is the massive, massive encouragement I want to bring across today. That we have the strength of conviction of knowing that the Jesus we believe in is who he said he is. Praise God. And that in that, everything he said is true. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I think in coming, drawing to, 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 to a close, what is even more amazing that this Jesus, through his life, through his example, has got the deepest desire to want to connect with each and every one of you. That blows my mind. This creator of the universe, this God who could have come in like the Pharisees requested him and wiped out all the Romans, this God wants to get up close and personal. And I think there's something in the way he, he created this miracle where he didn't just say, you healed, off you go. He got down and dirty. He got down in the mud. He got it in that person's eyes. Jesus wants to get close and personal. That is the God we serve. You're like a circle that floats around me, keeping me safe and sound. And when I fall, you've tied a rope to me. You're blessing me every day.